Your podcast is tuned in to the right frequency, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode of the Powerbomb Nation. I am your host, Dwight Couch, and I wanted to pull a special interview from our massive vault. This episode is with none other than WWE Hall of Famer, living legend, one of the greatest managers to ever grace the squared circle, none other than Mr. Teddy Long. I want you to holla holla and listen to another episode of a classic Powerbomb Nation interview. It is my absolute pleasure to bring to you one of the greatest wrestling personalities ever to grace the squared circle. He is a legendary wrestling performer. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't mark out very often, but I am for this man. Welcome to Powerbomb Nation, Mr. Teddy Long. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me on uh, Powerbomb Nation. I heard a lot about you know about your show and about you guys, and I'm just honored to be here, man. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we def- definitely appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you're a busy, busy man. But, Teddy, you got some stuff going on in the here and now, and uh, you got a book coming out. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your book coming out and what you got going on right now in your life? Well, uh, you know, if anybody want to keep up with me and stay in contact with me, they can go to my website. It's uh, teddylong.com. Uh, you can go there. You can also, once you go there, you can go to, straight to my Twitter and my Facebook page. And also, uh, it'll let you know exactly what I'm doing for it. Working on the independent circuit. I'm doing a lot of that. Uh, making a lot of personal appearances, speaking at colleges, uh, schools, churches, and, uh, you know, doing you know, a lot of motivational stuff, you know, trying to help these kids stay in school and stay out drugs and try to stay positive and do the right thing. Now, on the book, we're working on the book. Uh, hopefully, we should have it out by the end of the year. But uh, in the book, it's going to uh, detail, you know, from my beginning, my career when I started in professional wrestling, you know, back in the 80s, and a lot of ups and downs, you know, that I experienced, you know, trying to make it to the top, and which, you know, with the help of God, I did make it there. But those are the things we're going to be talking about in the book. I don't want to give stuff away because we're still, you know, working on it and writing it. But by the end of the year, the book is going to be out, and uh, everything will be in there for you to read. And uh, other than that, man, I'm just, uh, you know, hanging and banging, thugging and bugging, you know, and keeping it real. Right on, right on. Now, uh, that that's a book I will definitely look forward to picking up and uh, giving a read, as, as well as all the members of the Powerbomb Nation will as well. Now, Teddy, you're you're one of the most dropped names on my podcast. Uh, a lot of these independent, we focus mainly on independent talent, giving the voice to the guys who don't do don't otherwise get a chance to to be heard by the fans. But your name comes up in almost every conver- uh, every conversation I have. Do you, you still do a lot with the indie scene? Do you do you give a lot back to the young guys starting in the business? Well, yes, I do. Also, uh, I'll mention this to you. I'm running a company uh, with, uh, down in uh, Mobile, Alabama. It's called the AWF, the Alabama Wrestling Federation. Uh, uh, we're trying to get that off the ground, get it up and running. Uh, also, I'm doing a lot of stuff with uh, 
Well, I'm going to be doing some stuff with Luke Hawk with Wildcat Sports. I'm going to be coming down, uh, coming to his organization, helping him out a lot. Uh, I'm doing, uh, I'm in uh, Theodore, Alabama on April the 23rd for a big wrestling event there at the Theodore High School. And also, I'm getting ready to do some stuff with uh, Luke Gallus and, uh, well, Doc Gallus, Luke Gallus and his brother. Uh, with uh, the Bullet Club down in Farnsfield, Georgia, on May the 14th. So I'm staying pretty busy, man. Well, that, that's good. We, we love having you in the wrestling world, and it'd be a sad day if you weren't participating it in somewhere. Uh, so now, folks, if you're in the areas where you get the chance to see Teddy Long, go out there, support him, show him your love, and uh, support all these guys out there busting their ass on this independent scene, putting on good shows. And the best part is, and I know Teddy will back me up on this, it's good, cheap family entertainment. It's not expensive to go to these shows, and it's a lot of fun. And that's what I, you know, and that's, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, the prices are, are cheap. You know, it's, you know, and that's what we want to do. You know, we want to, you know, set the price that, you know, you can afford to bring your family and your kids, and not, you know, be, when you leave, you're dead broke. You ain't got no money because you can spend all your money in wrestling. But uh, we don't want to do that. And also, you know, a lot of my plans for the company that I'm working with is, uh, you know, we're going to start giving back to the community too. You know, we're going to start giving away color television to do some kids stuff. You know, to go back to school with. You know, showing the people that we appreciate. You know, what their support and them coming out and supporting us. And I basically, I basically encourage all the independent guys to do that. You know what I mean? I, you know, go and, and get something, you know, get some gift cards and stuff and give back to the community. Show them, you know, you appreciate that support and they'll come and support you. So, you know, that, that's my thing, you know, we, you know, try to, you know, work with the young guys. A lot of guys, you know, they're just jumping in the ring, flip-flopping around and they got a clue about what they're doing. And I don't want it to be like that. I want you to know that once you step into that ring, it's all about making money and it's all about entertaining people and giving them the best show that you can give them. But don't forget, it's all about the money, too, because so you got to eat, you got to pay your bills, so you got to make money. But you can't make money unless you put on a good show because nobody's not going to come and support you. So my thing is, you know, let's put on a great show, give the people that money's worth, in fact, give them more than what they paid for, you know? So make people happy and make people want to come out and support you and also give a positive message to the kids that are coming to these shows and letting them know, you know, how important that education is and how important it is to stay off drugs and keep your life straight and, and do good because if I made it, everybody can make it. And also coming in the book, too, it's going to be about my past, you know, my problem with drugs and alcohol. I had that problem. A lot of people don't know that, but I really did, and I was able to overcome with the grace of God and help of God. And so I just want to tell people and let them know, you know, I wasn't perfect. I ain't no saint, and I don't think any of us on this earth are. So, you know, let's try to give back and let's try to help each other. Amen on that. That that is a uh, great deal, and I can't I can't really can't wait to read this book, Teddy. I'm I'm so excited after I heard about it. But but let me ask you a question: When and how old were you when you fell in love with professional wrestling? I know you started out on the ring crew, but but when was the first time that you were exposed to pro wrestling, and and what did it do to change your life? Well, I started following wrestling in the 80s, uh, 80, well, I'd say 81, 82. Uh, I'm uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, and so back in the 80s is when they had the Georgia Championship Wrestling, uh, and they used to come to Atlanta to the old TBS studio, TBS, which now, you know, is on cable. Back then it wasn't on cable. It was Channel 17 in Atlanta. 
And uh, I used to go down every Saturday morning. I'd take my son down. He was about two years old then. I'd take him down, and we'd go down and uh, watch him take the wrestling. So I had the opportunity while I was down there to run into Abdul the Butcher. He had just came to town, and he didn't have no way. You know, he wanted somebody to show him around. He didn't know his way around. So, you know, just through faith, I just happened to take up and hook up with him. And I started, you know, riding with him, showing him around. And so every Saturday morning that we'd go down to do the TV taping, I would go down with him, and that way I was able to go in the back where the guys were, you know, because I was, you know, riding with Abdullah. So they, uh, I started, the first thing I started doing is, you know, kind of going to the ring, getting the jackets. The guys were taking off the jackets. I would go to the ring and take the jackets and take them back to the locker room and keep up with their wrestling gear. So I didn't get any money for that. Didn't get paid for nothing, you know, but that was just something I just started doing. And to make a long story short, there was a job that came over, you know, they needed somebody to put up the ring, take the ring down. And so I was able, you know, by, I had been hanging around and they had been seeing me, I was able to get that job. So I started putting up the ring, taking the ring down, which there wasn't no ring crew then. I, you know, I was trying to basically join it by myself and getting, you know, people to help me put it up. And one night we went to Cobb Civic Center, that's in Marietta, Georgia, and I don't live too far from that right now. Uh, and they had a, we had a wrestling show there, and the referee didn't show up. And so the promoter came and asked me, could I referee? And I told her, well, I've never refereed a day in my life. I don't know. She said, well, I bought you a shirt. So here's a referee shirt. She said, go on, go get in there so the guys will talk to you. They'll take care of you. They'll help you. And so the first match I had was Black Bart and Ron Bass. It was a Texas death match. So I was able to start right there. And so that's how I started refereeing. And I uh, kept the referee job for at least two, about two years. And uh, I started riding with Kevin Sullivan and Eddie Gibbons, or God rest his soul. And I told these guys about you know my career. I started out in radio. I was a disc jockey on a radio station when I was young. And I also worked for James Brown. And I used to turn the radio down, and I would DJ for them. And so they looked, they loved that, and they found out, you know, that I could talk. I had no idea what I was doing. And so they, when they found that out, they went to the promoters, which one of them was Jim Ross. He was very helpful in helping me to get started, and they told Jim Ross that I could talk, and that's how I started becoming a manager. And uh, they put me in with Butch Reed, Ron Simmons, you know, I started managing with those guys, and Doom is what they called them at that time. I had Johnny B. Bad. Uh, Ice Train, Scott Norton, uh, Skyscrapers, Danny Spivey, Sid Bitches, you know, and the list goes on. So that's kind of how my career got started. That is awesome. Now, now I used to, I loved you as a ref in the WWE. I'm more familiar with you from all the, the WWE um, or the WWF at the time. And uh, you were absolutely one of my right. favorite referees. I, I don't, I don't go after the referees much, but you were, you were really good. Your, your expressions and everything in the ring were awesome. You could, you could tell the story, as a referee. But then you became a manager in the well, WWE. I oh, go ahead. Oh no, no. Well, uh, you know, I, I, uh, not to cut you off, but I heard you say something about you know the expressions and stuff. You know, that's how I made it. You know, so long as general manager, because Ms. McMahon, you know, his thing is to be real out there. You know, once you're out there in front of those people, you be real. You make people believe. And, uh, you know, and it, I, I was just good at that. And I understand, you know, what Vince was all about. And that's how I was able to stay there as long as I did because I learned his way. And if you learn his way, you'll make it there. So, you know, using expression and stuff is something that I just picked up on my own, but I knew that I had to be real out there. Absolutely. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. What was your favorite match you ever called as a referee? Is there one that sticks out more than the other? 
Well, not really, man. Golly, I had so many of them. Uh, the first, the one that really I uh, liked is uh, when I turned heel. I was at New Orleans at the Superdome, and we were, I had a show. Uh, we had a match with the Road Warriors and uh, Mike Rotunda and uh, Rich Steiner. They were called the Varsity Club at that time. And I was a referee there, and uh, they were getting ready to, you know, to make me a manager. And so I had to, as you know, where I turned heel, and uh, at, it, was, it was a pay-per-view there. I can't think of the name of it now, but that was one of my favorites. Um, another one that uh, I imagine was my favorite, a lot of matches I refereed with the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. You know, these guys were outstanding athletes and, they, you know, great workers. And it's always a pleasure for the referee to be in there with some guys that can really work because they make the referee work and they make make the match interesting. And I enjoyed working with them. So, man, it, it, it was just so many of them. You know, I, I, I God, I can't remember all of them. But basically every, every you know, I had some little mediocre matches, but a lot of main events I had, like Rick Flair and uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at Chi-Town Heat. That was one of the big matches in my career that I refereed. That, that is awesome. Now, you were also, uh, you came in as the replacement ref when Steamboat, since you brought him up, won his NWA championship, and that was also in Chi-Town. Yeah, that was uh, Chi-Town Heat in Chicago. Now, um, now, you mentioned, of course, you managed everyone from Ron Simmons to Johnny B. Bad, uh, the Skyscrapers, which include Mean Mark Callis, uh, Two Cold Scorpio, Ice Train, Rodney Mack, Mark Henry, D'Lo Brown. But one name I came across that I never realized, did you ever, you managed Chris Jericho, is that correct? I uh, did that for a day or two. I think it, was, it didn't last too long, but I did manage him for a little bit. Okay, that was very interesting in my research. I found that, and I was like, well, I, I never knew that Teddy and Chris, uh, you know, had a relationship as a manager, but that, that is cool to know. Um, what was it yeah, like well, working with you know, D'Lo Brown? It didn't, it, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Man, I enjoyed Oh, that's all right. No problem. Uh, yeah, D'Lo was great. You know, I enjoyed working with him. He's like the first guy I had a chance to walk out with. I remember walking out with him, and we cut this promo on Tommy Dreamer. And then that's when we started doing the thing that this created himself, and it was called the White Boy Challenge. So, uh, like I said, I enjoyed D-Lo, enjoyed working with everybody that I really managed. I, I didn't have no problem with it, especially me, Mark Callas, who is now the undertaker. So he helped me a whole lot, you know, during my career, too. So he's one of the greatest and nicest guys in this business. But, you know, D-Lo was a great guy. I enjoyed working with him. Absolutely. Good to hear. D'Lo Brown's one of my, I think he's one of the most underrated superstars to ever grace the squared circle and one of my personal favorites. Um, now, right. now, of course, we all know that, that the guys learn a lot when you're traveling on the road and, you know, ribbing each other and such. Who, who were the guys that you most enjoyed traveling with when you were, when you were on the road? I enjoyed traveling with uh, APA, with Bradshaw and Ron Simmons when I first uh, went in. Well, when I, they weren't the first guys when I went to the WWF, uh, but they came, uh, you know, as I, you know, stayed there for a minute, I ended up riding with them. But I had one of the greatest times in the world with them. You talk about a couple of crazy guys and pranksters. That Bradshaw was really a prankster. Boy, he pulled a lot of pranks on a lot of people, but it was fun. We had fun back then, you know, so. I think the APA was the guy I really enjoyed traveling with most. Awesome. Now, you were on uh, JBL. He has his show on the uh, WWE Network and YouTube. Now, you, you have been on his show a couple times uh, as yourself with some court issues. Is that correct? Is this like the kangaroo court? With, with uh, JBL? Oh, the wrestler's court. Yes. 
Yeah, it was called wrestler Court at that time. Uh, yeah, they, they uh, had me in the wrestler Court. The Undertaker was the judge at the time. And uh, they put me in wrestler Court for selling Viagra to the boys. So uh, <laughs> uh, I had to get a lawyer, and uh, my lawyer that I got was Mae Young, God rest her soul. And she came in to defend me, which I lost my case because Mae Young couldn't even say the word Viagra. She called it Niagara. That <laughs> killed my case right there. But <laughs> So that killed my case right there. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 they had me wrestling, wrestling for a couple of times and selling Viagra to the boys. Oh, that that is too good. So now, who um, who did you most enjoy coming to the ring with as a manager? Um, wow, let's see. I I tell you, I really enjoyed coming. Uh, when I when Mark Henry teamed up with uh, Rodney Mack and they became a tag team, I really enjoyed working with both of those guys. Uh, they were great coming to the ring with. Uh, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, you know, to go back, you know, back in the day, they were great. I really enjoyed managing them. Uh, basically, you know, everybody that I got with, I enjoyed it because I made it, you know, I made it work for us. You know, I wasn't just the one, only one there, you know, all three of us, you know, everybody needs to be a team. And basically all the guys that I managed, I, I got along with them and we became a team. And I enjoyed working with each and every one of them. Right on. So now, um... Tell me, if you had the chance to manage either either an up-and-coming indie star or, or one guy that's that's maybe passed that was a legend in the business, if you had one chance to manage anyone you could right now, who do you think that you would choose? Well, uh, I, I've seen a couple of up-and-coming guys that, uh, that, uh, that have been in NXT, and I've just seen them. They made their debut on the WWE on Monday Night Raw. And that's Enzo and Chaz. Golly, I love those guys, man. They are absolutely great and very entertaining. So I would definitely like to be, you know, a part of them. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, guys that I see on the indie scene. They've got a guy that's uh, down in Mobile, Alabama, that he's a real good worker. You know, I'm just waiting on you know, him to get discovered. His name is uh, Too Quick. Uh, he's down there. I really enjoy, you know, maybe if I could, you know, get him on the roster, bring him up, you know, I really enjoy doing some stuff with them. But basically, everybody that, you know, contacts me now, you know, they just basically want me to come in and be the GM. I mean, that's my thing. You know, everybody really wants me to do that and to make that tag team match. So I imagine basically I would just try to stay in my GM role. But if I had to manage somebody, you know, I'm willing to do that too. So now, um, you you got you were the SmackDown GM. You're, you're one of the best GMs. You and William Regal and Vicky Guerrero, I would have to say, are the three best GMs that Vince McMahon's ever put on TV. How how did you get that role? Well, when did I, that happen? Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, I had no idea that I was going to be the general manager. Uh, once Vince McMahon found out that I could talk, I think that's what sold him. Uh, the night I walked out with D.O. Brown and I came back, Vince McMahon stood up and gave me a standing ovation. He said to me, he pulled me out to the side and he said, I can't believe I had you right here under my nose all this time. So it was in the plan, I imagine, for me to be GM through this. I had no idea. They didn't tell me anything. I came in the TV one day and they, and the writers came to me and they said, well, today you, uh, Vince is going to make you general manager. And they didn't tell me that for like maybe an hour before TV started. And they told me Vince was going to make you general manager SmackDown. And that just, you know, I was, I was really scared to death because I, I realized now I'm going to go in this big major role and, you know, I got to be ready for this. And 
you know, I hadn't managed in a while, so, you know, I was a little rusty. But, you know, I, well, I've been managing, but, you know, I'm just saying to go on a big role, like being the general manager, you know, I just you, you just thought I wasn't ready for that, and I didn't want to let that down. But you can't let the boss know you're not ready, and you can't let him know your thoughts. So I'm like, hey, I'm ready, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make it work. So that's how it happened. It just came out of the blue. They told me one day I was going to be GM. I walked out and just made it happen. And now, how long were you in the WWE? I stayed in the WWE for 15 years. I started there in 1998, and uh, I was general manager of SmackDown for nine years. Any any particular feuds or moments that stand out as your as your greatest time as general manager of SmackDown, or or in particular matches or anything that you had or you created? Well, I enjoyed all the stuff that I did with Biggie Guerrero. What a sweetheart of a, of a lady. Uh, she was just absolutely great. And I uh, all the things that I did with her was outstanding to me. They were great. I enjoyed the wedding where I was getting married to Crystal Marshall, and I supposedly had the heart attack. I also enjoyed the angle with The Undertaker where he kidnapped me and everything, and they rolled me down in the coffin. And when they opened the coffin up, CM Punk did, and, I, and it was me laying there. That was a great moment, so I enjoyed that storyline. And basically, you know, everything that I did, I enjoyed it. You know, anything, and, and I think that's what Vince realized, that anything he put me in, I had chemistry with everybody. I could work with anybody. I didn't care who they were. You just bring them on, you know. I would adjust, you know, and make things happen for us. So, this, uh, like I said, the Undertaker storyline, all the stuff I did with Vicky Guerrero, those were great, and I enjoyed all of those. Oh, that's good. I, I know from a fan's perspective, you, you and Vicky Guerrero had some of the best on-screen chemistry I've ever seen out of any performer that's graced the squared circle. And uh, and you two were dynamite together. I mean, it, it couldn't have been any better. Uh, don't, I don't know how planned it was or if it just happened that way, but it was good stuff. Well, it, you know, it just basically wasn't a plan. I mean, Vince, you know, Vince put that thing together, and me and her just started working with each other. And it was so great. She was such a sweetheart, you know. And a lot of people don't know, but uh, I started her to saying, excuse me. She said that one day to me or something. You know, we were talking or discussing something, and she said, excuse me? And I'm like, that's it. That's <laughs> it right there. You know, I said, continue to say that. I said, please say that. And uh, that's how she started with the excuse me. So we were basically helping one another. Uh, when I, uh, when uh, she was, I was pushing her in the wheelchair, there were things that I would tell her, you know, I said, make me do this, make me do that, you know, I'll get it over, you know, but just get on me, you know, just treat me like shit, you know, and I thought that's what the people want, you know, the more she humiliated me, the more that they wanted to see me come back. And going back to facial expressions, those were some of the expressions that I used with Vicky Guerrero that I didn't have to talk. You could see it in my face that, hey, one day, he's going to get you. You know, you know and, that, and, that, and, 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 and that's what expressions mean. You know, you can sometimes, you ain't got to talk. You can do it on your face. Right on. So now, uh, you were inducted into the NWA Hall of Fame in 2012. Uh, what was, was that a, a crowning achievement? Is that, is that something you look upon fondly? Well, yeah, anytime, you know, uh, someone thinks enough of you to put you in something like that, it's certainly an achievement, you know, because I started back in NWA, you know, back in the day. Dusty Rose, God rest his soul, he gave me my first job. Dusty, God, what a great man. Uh, so that that was certainly an achievement for me, the NWA Hall of Fame. I, I Also, they inducted me in the Combat Sports Hall of Fame. That's down in uh, Orlando, uh, I'm sorry, that's down in uh 
Mobile, Alabama, too, which goes over into Pensacola, but it's combat sports. Right, that was so, in uh, 2015. You know, and, yeah, 2015, that's right. So that was a, that also, that was a team to too, because I really didn't know these guys, and they took enough, you know, thought, I mean, thought enough of me to go ahead and do something like that for me, so I'm, I was really appreciative of that. Very good. And, uh, Teddy, I know we're, we're running a little short on time here, but I got a couple more questions, and I'll let you get out of here and get to your, get to your day. What are some of the things, and now these not necessarily wrestling-related at all, but what are some of the things that inspires you and that inspired you growing up? Uh, well, uh, like I said, I had a you know pretty rough past coming up. You know, I, uh, uh, I finished high school. I didn't go to college or anything like that. But after I got out of high school, you know, I got got with the wrong crowd and everything. It just went off the deep end. But basically, you know, what inspired me is, you know, I, I was able to overcome drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. And God really blessed me to get in a position, you know, that I got in. So that, that was very inspiring, you know, just to be able to live my dream. And my dream was to make it in professional wrestling. And I, and I did that. I mean, I went as high as anybody could go. I mean, I, I'm not a wrestler, so I didn't have to worry about trying to be the world champion. But I did go, you know, managing uh, Raw and SmackDown and ECW. I mean, you can't go no higher than that. So my goal was achieved thanks to Vince McMahon. And uh, that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's basically, you know, one of my great achievements. And that's kind of what inspired me and, you know, kind of kept me on the right track. Awesome, awesome. Now, I know you're, you're, you're a religious man and you're a big family man. And I heard the story and it, and it touched my heart. And I would hope that you will share that with the Powerbomb Nation. But it's about the dance that you do when you come out in front of a live audience and, and a certain family member who inspired that dance. Would you share that story with us? Uh, yeah, I sure will. Um, the dance started with my grandson now, which he is 12 years old now. And at the time, I guess he was maybe two years old. And uh, he was trying to learn to walk. So we bought this little thing, it's like a walker, and we, you know, sit him in that so he could try and, you know, learn how to walk. So we put him in that walker, and every time he'd get in there, he didn't want to walk, he just wanted to go up and down, up and down. He could bop up and down in that walker, and it was just so amazing to me to see him do that. And so I used to talk to him all the time, real close with my grandkids. So I used to tell him, I said, hey, I'm going to go do your dance on TV. I'm going to do your dance on TV. And I went to TV, and I started doing that dance, but it was for my grandson's entertainment. I wanted him to see me doing what he was doing in the walker. I called him his dance. So that's how the dance started. My grandson inspired me to do that, and I'd go back home, and I would tell him, hey, look, see, I'm doing your dance. I'm doing your dance. And the next thing I know, the people the people get on it, they liked it, and they wanted to see me do the dance. Oh, that is great. I heard that story, and it was just, I mean, it just, you know, it brought a smile to my face, and it, and it really did warm my heart. It was, it was a really awesome story, and I thank you so much for sharing. Well, the other one, the other one, too, I'll tell you this one, you know, Playa, that started with my dog. I had a, I had a, a Labrador Retriever named Boss. And I just never called Boss, called him by his name. Boss, I would always just tell him, you know, Boss, come here, player. You know, and so, come on, player, let me, you know, and I just start calling that to Boss, and I just took the TV. And not, you know, it wasn't that I created player. You know, I heard a lot of rap stars, and they were saying that, you know, before I even started saying it. But I don't think it was really out there until I put it out there. But the, the word player, I just started playing with my dog, and I would call him player, and that's how that started.
That is that is awesome as well. That it's it's funny how things like that, you know, and it's like a lot of guys say, you know, yourself, your your own personality just ramped up to eleven when you get on the stage makes for the best characters. And Teddy, in your case, it it sounds like that's the absolute truth. Well, that's what I tried to do. I just got you know, the way I was really, you know, got my character over is my character was me. Okay, I, it was me. You were just looking at me. You weren't looking at nobody that they told me to be or somebody I was trying to pretend to be. I was just me. I came out of the street, you know, I came from the street life, so I was able to kind of carry that swag and a little bit of that street life to TV, and people related to that because some of the stuff I was saying, you would hear that in everyday life, you know, a lot of the slang that I use, keep it pushing, keep it real, you know, and that's real talk, you know, and people relate to that, you know, because that's happening in their everyday life. You just got to know where, you know, to put, you know, where to put the words. So, you know, I, I was just, like I said, my character was just me, and I was real comfortable with it. I wasn't ever nervous, you know, once I got started and got going and said, hey, I got this. Man, I, I, you, all you got to do is give me a script and let me have it. Good deal, good deal. So, Teddy, go ahead and put yourself over. Tell Powerbomb Nation where they can get hold of you, and then, again, your website and all that good stuff. Well, basically, you know, once again, you can go to teddylong.com. That's the website, and uh, you can find out where I'm going. I'm also associated with CelebDM. That's a site where you can record personal videos for people. People want you to, you know, record stuff for them and say, send them shout-outs and do different things. So I'm a part of that. That's celebdm.com slash teddylong. I'm involved with that. And uh, like uh, teddylong.com, the website is where everything is happening. That's where it's all at. The Twitter is at Teddy Player Long, and also you can go from the website and go right straight to the Facebook page. And let me say this to the fans: I'd like you to check out the website. Let me know if you like it. If you don't like it, then let me know and let me know what I can do to maybe make it you know better or make some changes to it. But basically, that's how you can find me. That is awesome, and everyone will definitely be in touch. And Teddy, I got one favor before I let you off here. Can, can I get a uh, a quick little shout out promo to the Powerbomb Nation? Yeah. You know, maybe a little holla, holla, holla. Okay. Yeah, you let me know when you're ready. Yeah, hey, I'm ready for you now, sir. Hey, what's up, players? This is Teddy Long, and you're listening to the Powerbomb Nation. And, players, you better believe that because it's real talk. Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> awesome. Teddy, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to you. And uh, thank you for, for bearing with us while we could get everything set up and actually actually get on the phone with you. And uh, I hope to have you back one day soon, maybe after your book comes out. We can have you on and we can actually delve into a little bit about your book and, and more about you. Okay, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. And like I said, anytime you keep me, man, feel free to give me a call. All right. Thank you, Teddy, and have a great day, sir. All right, same to you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye.